Welcome to The Sword and the Trowel, a podcast of Founders Ministries. Founders Ministries exist for the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of churches. I'm Jared Longshore. I'm Tom Askell. Well, we have a conference coming up. We do. Yeah, I can't wait for this to uh, actually come to be. In January, 21 through 23, uh-huh. 2021. Yeah, Doctrine of God. Why yeah. would we do the Doctrine of God when it's such kind of like a, there's such a political moment, you know, such a, we need to deal with the Doctrine of uh, Man because we got all this corruption, all this sociology stuff going on. Why would we just go talk about the Doctrine of God? Because of Genesis 1-1. You know, I mean, Calvin said it real well at the beginning of his institutes that all saving knowledge consists in this knowledge of God, knowledge of man. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think we, by and large today, are living in a day in the West, certainly in America, where the God of the Bible is the unknown God. Mm. And so we need to not just assume that we understand who he is as he's revealed himself to be, but come humbly, reverently, submissively back to the word and ask, oh God, uh, who are you and what is true of you and how should we uh, approach you and how can we know you? And so that's going to be what we're shooting for. And mm-hmm. we want to look at the, the classical doctrine of theism, Trinity, and implications that it has for our faith and for every area of life, actually. Mm-hmm. we got I mean, some good guys coming in, too. Yes, Chad Vegas, uh, who's a pastor out in California, James mm-hmm. Dolezal, who will be with us. and. Yeah. Uh, then you'll be preaching, I'll be preaching, and we're very much looking forward to that time together. So I hope you can join us January 21st through the 23rd. Yeah, and there's a, uh, I think, a discounted registration that ends in August, right? So maybe just a few more days if you're watching this just as it comes out. So uh, get your registration in. And I've been told that the registrations are actually coming in pretty fast. So we quite possibly, and it looks like maybe likely, will have to cut off registrations at some time. So uh, anyway, encourage you to sign up and bring some friends with you. January, Southwest Florida, it'll be great. You got a good book over there. I do. You know about that book. It's the Bible. And, you know, I've been reading this book for a long time, and I recommend it. Well, you got a book that's like (laughs) a little bit under the Bible in its value, but. This is a book. This is the Truth and Grace Memory book. It's volume one. And I don't even remember how long ago uh, I put this together, but I came across some, uh, uh, I was actually a Presbyterian pastor, then a Baptist pastor, had uh, put together some catechetical instruction with Bible memory. And so I took it and further adapted it just to use with our own kids. And as my kids were growing up and then here in the church when we came here. And over the years, um, uh, the cover that I designed was ridiculed sufficiently enough that we redesigned the cover. <laughs> I don't know anything about that ridicule in the design. It and, wasn't me. Yeah, yeah, no, it wasn't you. Uh, and it wasn't then, anybody associated well, with Well, I'm me. not even going to say that. But what we did is uh, it, we've redesigned it, and we may, we're looking at a possible redesign again. But this is now a series. So there are three books in this Truth and Grace Memory Book series. This one is built around the uh, introduction to the Shorter Catechism for Baptists, and the second one is a Baptist version of Shorter Catechism, basically Keech's Catechism. And the, th- the third book is based on uh, an edited version of the Heidelberg Catechism that I did, and it's more it's designed for older uh, young people and all adults all parents can use this to train their children to bring their children up in the discipline and instruction of the lord and so we have these available at founders.org you can go to the bookstore and order them we'd be glad to uh, tell you more about them if you have interest you can look online and find some testimonies about it as well 
That book is pertinent to the topic at hand today because yeah. we want to talk about what it means to raise your children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, particularly with a view to education. What does it mean to really raise up kids, to educate them in the Lord Jesus Christ, in the Christian faith? And uh, what are the implications of that for um, the American governmental school system, especially uh, given what's going on with COVID. So to maybe cover the waterfront, big picture, you feel like there's a lot of stuff you have to say. We would come out of the gate saying something like, um, the American governmental education system is committed to godlessness. Right. It is uh, pragmatic or humanistic or secular in nature, and increasingly so. If you look over the last probably 100 years or so, um, Christians are required to raise their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, and that touches upon all things. They're supposed to educate them about God's world. We have a book called By What Standard, the subtitle being God's World, God's Rules. So the implications of this being God's world are huge for how you're going to raise your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Um, We know people that are in the American governmental education system, Christians mm-hmm. that are there trying to do good in that system and praise God for them, people very close to me who are doing yeah. so. And so we're not at all saying that's a bad thing. Uh, we know some people, and we would consider this to be a small category, but given things that are going on in their lives or limitations that they have, they have their kids in the uh, public education right. system and have to exercise certain things to see those children growing up in the Lord. But in general, if we were talking about our nation, or even our state, if you're going to have a model that says, well, we want to raise kids to know the Lord Jesus Christ, to be discipled in uh, Christ, well, to send them for seven, eight hours a day, five days a week to an institution that is committed to not raising them in the Lord Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ, but somehow teaching them all about the world without any reference to God, to do that would be a terrible idea. Yeah, uh, you know, Vody Balkum, our dear friend, has said for years, if you send your kids to Caesar, don't be surprised if they come back as Romans. And it's naive to think that the uh, governmental school system isn't built upon a foundation, an ideological foundation. And it is naive to not understand that that foundation is, as you've described it, humanistic, materialistic, God-less. And so while there are Christians that are involved in public education, as you say, we praise God for them, the system itself from the federal to state levels is God-less. And when we take seriously as Christians the responsibility we have to raise our children to recognize, okay, God has called me to do this, then everything Everything needs to come under scrutiny. I mean, I'm, I'm on the other side of it. You're, you're in the middle of it or in the early stages of it with your own kids. So mm-hmm. you are doing this. And you're going to be doing it for the next many, many years. And I, I'm in a perspective where I can look back on it. But I, I'll remember, I, I do remember when it dawned on me for the first time, Ephesians 6, 4, uh, fathers, you know, bring them up. Bring them up. Mm-hmm. I, whoa. You know, that's. That's my job. I think if parents get that much, I mean, it, it was like a, 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 a flash moment for me that God calls me to do this. It is my job. It's not the Sunday school teacher's job. It's not the pastor's job. It's not the, uh, Sunday, the, the public school teacher's job or the private school teacher's job. It's my job. I can conscript 
people to mm-hmm. serve me in certain ways. I can get a Your football coach. Yeah. Be great. You know, I mean, that, so people, the, I can have people stand in loco parentis in the place of parents mm-hmm. in this area, but I can't just deliver my kids over to anybody, the Sunday school, the public school, the private school, the coach, and just say, okay, you know, you do it. No, parents must own the responsibility to bring up our children. You know, this has been highlighted. If you, if you kept up with uh, what has happened in Tennessee as some of the schools are beginning to open up again, and there's one school district in Tennessee that said, okay, parents have to sign a document saying they will not listen in to the uh, uh, live streaming of the classes. As the teachers teach, parents can't be in the room because we don't want the children you know, to feel intimidated. We want to be able to I'm thinking, what what world did you grow up in? You know, you think I'm going to hand my kids over mm-hmm. to you on a computer? Yeah, the COVID has um, exposed some things, and one of the things is parents should know this: that um, the the governmental school system that you went through is not the same one that you're putting your kids through. And there's right. a real danger to think, well, you know, I did this and then, you know, grandpa and grandma did this and great grandpa and great grandma did this. And, you know, we're a small town and everything's all right here. And no, these bad ideologies that are on the rise and have been on the rise for a couple decades now are working their way into that system and being taught. I, I remember uh, there was a New York Times article that came out where a guy wasn't even a Christian, I don't think. I think he was a philosopher of some sort, and he went to his kid's class, and um, they, had, they had a fact uh, jar and an opinion jar. And this is what, the way it's set up, and they would give you statements, and you have to decide which you know, which jar do you drop the statement in? And they said basically facts are things that are true, and opinions are things that you believe. And so, <laughs> can't believe facts. You, yeah. And you, so you have this distinction, which makes sense in this kind of, you know, humanistic way of uh, scientific um, method is the only way that we come to any kind of truth. And so you have your opinion that you have to, the only things that can be dropped in the fact are things that can be tested in a test tube and somehow validated in that sense. And if, then you can put them in the fact jar. And the philosopher got in his car with his son and he goes, you know, I believe that George Washington was the first president of the United States. And he goes, well, that's your opinion. You know, <laughs> he's like, it's also a fact. And, you know, I, we laugh because it's so funny, but that stuff has roots. I mean, Absolutely. If you go back to John Dewey, who was uh, instrumental in the kind of American progressive education system as we know it today, uh, it's striking to consider the humanist manifesto that he signed. You can find it online, um, but Dewey, he's been characterized as a pragmatist or the philosophy of pragmatism which is fascinating to me when it comes to the materialistic world. It's so connected to Marxism. And the very first statement of uh, the Humanist Manifesto, which John Dewey signed, says this, religious humanists regard the universe as self-existing and not created. (laughs) Which is a... An inherently contradictory statement, a universe, you know. So we have a point, we have a center, we have something around which everything else orbits. And we're saying, no, it's just self-existence and you know, there is no universe. The universe in which we live in doesn't really have a uni. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what's being said there. And we, we see how all of this is coming to roost uh, in our education system. And it's, it's fascinating to go back and look. It, it wasn't always this way. I mean, in the colonial times, in the 17th century, the 
primary, for over 100 years, the, the primary uh, book for instruction in education in the colonies was the New England Primer, or Primer, New England Primer. And man, I mean, it came out of Dutch Reformed mm-hmm. understanding. And so you had these couplets to teach the alphabet. You know, we use this all the time. And Adam's fall, we send all. Mm-hmm. That's for A. And then for X, uh, Xerxes the Great must die, and mm-hmm. so must you and I. I mean, these, these were truths that were given to us in Scripture, helping us to think rightly about the world God made, mm-hmm. used to teach people, teach children, how to think, how to read, how to talk, how to argue, how to understand arguments, and how to be persuasive in yeah. submitting your arguments. Yeah, wasn't it Dabney who once said there'll be a time where they'll take all prayer and catechism out of mm, schools? Yeah. And so we're you know, talking cate- about public education. Cate- catechisms. Yeah. You know, I mean, we can't think of a world in which they did catechism in school. We could promote your book. We could send it out, maybe, maybe uh, the state of Florida would send it there to Tallahassee yeah. and they'd make that the curriculum. There you they go. could get each day started by working through um, the Truth and Grace memory book. Uh, so when we look back at the prayer thing, I still think there's a lot of people in um, you know modern America that look at that and go, look, they're still rambling about taking prayer out of schools. And it kind of feels like an archaic thing, a dogmatic thing. And yet, uh, is it God's world or not? Right. Like, so if you buy into this humanist manifesto idea, it's going to shape the entire way that you approach the education of children. If you believe that this world is created by God, there is a divine creator, that's going to radically shape the way that you do everything else. So it's it's kind of, you know, it's not an optional thing. You can't have like, well, secular education will be all right, and I'll find a way to kind of paste that on to what I'm trying to do. It's not going to work. Right. Yeah, it's um, because God is and has created the world, two plus two really does equal four. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've seen this debate online now where there are postmodernists that take strong exception to that. Says who? That's just your colonialism coming out. Mm-hmm. You know, that's your white privilege coming out to say that two plus two equal four. Well, that shows you how far down the river we have been sold in our uh, current moment here in the West and in the United States. I was reminded um, just over the last couple of weeks, seeing what's happened in some of the education systems here in our nation in light of COVID, I was reminded of a, a commission that took place under Ronald Reagan. I think in 1981, it was actually commissioned to do a study on the American education system. Uh, something about excellence in education. And then when William Bennett became the Secretary of Education, this commission came back with their report. Now, this is a report of a study for about two years or so on the American education system. The title of the report tells you just about everything you need to know. The title of the report of the study of the American education system in 1983, was that the year of your birth? Uh, One year before my birth. Okay, so you weren't even around when this thing was uh, released. It's called A Nation at Risk. A Nation at Risk. And, And in the second paragraph, it has this line. It says, If an unfriendly foreign power had attempted to impose on America the mediocre educational performance that exists today, we might well have viewed it as an act of war. As it stands, we have allowed this to happen to ourselves. An act of war. That was 1983. And man, we are much further gone than we were then. 
Yeah, and you you can't. Uh, this is like a C.S. Lewis. You know, you can't you can't uh, remove the organ and then require the function. Exactly. When he talks about we're raising men without chests. So, if you hear that stat, and you're like, yeah, we really need to get it together. You know, well, you can't remove the truth of the Creator and the truth of the Redeemer, and then somehow get kids interested in His creation. Now, I, no, I'm not saying there's not, you know, unbelievers who are fascinated with, you know, astronomy and then study it diligently and understand things. I, I, there are. But this comes from raising my own kids. Like, I, I see kids uh, not that motivated because I understand what it means to not be motivated. <laughs> and I have some options, right? Um, if I want to buy into the humanist worldview that there is no God and really all that there is is this material world, I can vote, I can motivate them strictly with materialistic mm-hmm. motivations. You know, don't you want to be stronger, faster, smarter, make more money, have a better <laughs> life? Don't you want to have a good job, right? And so the deal is some of those things are not bad. Some of those materialistic motivations are not bad. But if I can never refer to the God who created the world, isn't it amazing? Isn't it glorious that two plus two does equal four? You know, and have you ever thought it's interesting that two times two also equals four? That'll blow your mind. You know, God is the one who made this world the way that it is. And you cannot come to understand it if you, fully. You cannot come to understand it correctly if you don't know the God who is, the God who has created these things. So, yeah. From him, through him, and to him are all things, and therefore you're going to have to engage in the education of children with reference to the God who has created. Yeah, and, and you know, we, we have lived in this world so long, and it is God's world, that even people who don't know God, even people who hate God and reject God blatantly, nevertheless, are living in his world. And so they see things and they try to make sense of things without God, and they can connect certain dots. But but even the idea of universe, you know, that which coheres around one thing, that which has a, a, a versatility or, or multiplicity in one. Well, our God is three in one. I mean, the God who is three in one's created this universe. And what we have today are people living in the universe Thinking, calling it a universe, when in reality, they're just mm-hmm. thinking, no, we just got these multiverse yes, realities. Yes, yes. And the way that breaks down in our own minds, like when we're thinking about a kid, we kind of we kind of view kids like Lego man, you know? And so we we say, well, um, we, we, want the, we want to be smart, so let's get the smart block. And who are the people that can give them the smart block? All right, we'll do that. And then, you know, well, we want them to be kind of physically well, so who's got the sport block? Mm-hmm. Let's kind of get the sport block and put that in there. And, well, we do want them to be, you know, moral people. So who's got the kind of religion block, the church block? We'll get that church block, and we'll kind of put that in there. And then, you know, whatever else it is that you want to develop, maybe a health block in general. So let's have somebody kind of come teach them health and all the classes kind of match up. You do Jesus on the weekend with Sundays, and then we're all all set. And we're not seeing that the command in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, says, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord is a pervasive command. Yeah. It's not just one block of the Lego man that you're building with the children. It touches upon everything. Uh, that includes astronomy. It includes uh, geography. It includes uh, earth science. You know, there, and, and you're confronted with that as soon as you get into it. So it, it's, it's there in kindergarten. 
I mean, you look at the human body. We've got this little body in our library at home where Heather teaches the kids, you know, and you're pulling out the liver and you're pulling out the intestines and, and you're looking at this marvelous system of, of, of the human body. And immediately you're saying, was the manifesto right? Was this, did the system come together or is there a creator? Is there a designer? You can't escape that question in the little kid's mind. I mean, the kid, you know, you start to go look at a vehicle and you start to look at the motor and you just, you're seeing the system, you're seeing this operation. And even in that small kid's mind, it, it, is there one that built this? Is there one that makes it operate the way that it, it does or is there not? So it's inevitable to address that question. And if you ignore that question, which the governmental school is committed to doing. They, mm -hmm. they do ignore that question. We're not, we're not going to bring in the truth that God is the creator and the sustainer of this system, whatever system that we're looking at. Yeah. You see the same thing in the heavens when you look up there. So everywhere you look, it's there. In, in your mathematics, it's there. And you're, you're, you're forced to ignore him. So there's this whole part of your education and your growth that is off limits in that system. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, Christian parents need to think about everything in the light of Jesus Christ. I mean, in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom. I mean, that's true. We want knowledge and wisdom. It comes from Christ. Two plus two equals four because of Jesus Christ. And if you hadn't thought about that, then you ought to start thinking about it. You know, you ought to start trying to consider how does the way I look at these microbes through a microscope uh, how does that relate to what God has done in creating the world, in redeeming the world through his son, Jesus, and in sustaining the world? That, that word instruction in Ephesians 6, 4 is a comprehensive word. It's the Greek word padea. And, and it means to, um, uh, to enculturate. It means to train. You know, it means not just you give facts, but you actually instill a way of understanding the thing that you're teaching. When you uh, get that from Ephesians 6, 4, then you go over to Deuteronomy 6, those first few verses of the Shema, how we are to teach our children when we rise up, when we lie down, when we walk by the way. Mm -hmm. There's not a time, a place, a subject that is off limits to our instructing our kids. And that doesn't mean that, you know, you expose them to every evil in the world at, uh, as, as soon as you can. But it does mean they need to learn about evil from their parents. Their parents need to help them know about the evil in the world. They don't need to be experts on it. They don't need to experience it in order to get a handle on it. But they need to know that it's there. I, you know, this dawned on me, one of the mistakes we made early. And we homeschooled our kids. I know you're doing that. And... Um, we didn't, we didn't teach our kids curse words, you know, and they didn't, they were pretty limited in what they had access to. And so, uh, one of our, our oldest child went off while she was still in high school. She started taking college courses and she came home after the first day of a course with, I think a psychology professor, a newly minted PhD that was full of herself. And, uh, she, she was struggling. She said, dad, they were laughing. Class was laughing. I didn't know what they were talking about. And what was happening was the lady was teaching the course and telling profane sexual jokes using profane uh, curse words. And my daughter didn't know the words. And so everybody's laughing and she doesn't get the words. And so I thought, all right, there's a gap in your education. So we're going to start teaching you curse words. Mm -hmm. And we're going to teach you how the world uses language in profane ways so that you're not left vulnerable like that. Well, that's my job. That's huge, too, and to see that. And, uh, you know, some people right away are going to be like, well, you know, um, 
isn't it wrong to teach them like the bad things of the world? Well, no, somebody's <laughs> going to teach them about Absolutely. the world and it should be you. Yeah. Uh, now you need to do this in wise ways. Absolutely. I know mean, everybody has to address these questions of what's the capacity of this child. Mm-hmm. But one of the dangers is it's like, we kind of think, teach them all the good stuff, teach them all the good stuff. And it's like, maybe when they hit like 13, we teach them all the bad <laughs> stuff. And it's like, no, that's not the breakdown. Yeah. You know, the Bible start, the, the, you're going to be reading along the Bible if you're like me and you're yeah. going to get to the word Virgin Mary and that's they're right. going to be like, daddy, what's a virgin or circumcision or or sexual immorality <laughs> or, or adultery yeah. it's just I mean, it's all, all there, there. <laughs> so you know i did this with my kids we were you told me this story about yourself so i've gotten uh, i've enjoyed at the appropriate time just a random curse words like we're eating dinner you know we got a bunch of kids so i got this all the seven kids lined up wife's down there and my sister-in-law lives with us a single sister-in-law call me um she is sitting at the table i really enjoy um teaching the curse word and watching my sister-in-law squirm because <laughs> she's she like no me she's like, ah! <laughs> like kids let me tell you i taught them about the female dog curse word i just said hey everybody let me tell you there's this word bad word don't profane speech don't use it this is what it means and then all the kids you know for the first time repeating the word <laughs> which i'm not gonna do now but they do um and then you know another time we're driving down i mean th- think about it every person laughing because every person knows the female dog curse word that i'm talking about you're going to learn it at some point Mm -hmm. right and so i don't mean spring it on the little ones but i do mean teach the kids about profane speech and let them understand it we there's a there's a well what do you call it you call a strip club there's a strip club in our city and we're driving by it one day and we've just been talking about sexual morality and uh told the kids in very general terms what happens you go in there and guess what there's ladies that go in there they take their clothes off and men pay them money and my kids were like, what? And I said, what did I just tell you about in the morning? I said, there, uh, there's people do wicked things. This is a very inappropriate thing that's done. And my son, who wants to be building, says, I'm never going to build a building like that. And I said, that's right. You shouldn't build a building like that. So uh, educating them in all of life. Of course, if you didn't hear my qualification, do that with wisdom at the appropriate <laughs> levels. And everybody has to talk about that. Talk about that yeah. with your pastors help people as they're processing this with their kids you know how do we teach them about this aspect of the world which is an increasing problem today uh, especially what are we going to do when there's rainbow flags lgbtq how do you help your kids understand that context that's something that i with my kids had to get into far earlier than you did with your kids right and but if you read the bible if you are consistent and reading through the bible with your children you can't escape this you know, what's fascinating to me, I remember a few years ago, there was a big controversy in the SBC. There's folks that wanted to keep certain books out of the Lifeway bookstores because they contained rape and incest and cursing and sexual immorality. I said, well, there goes the Bible, you know, because I mean, just like Lifeway. Yeah, we got it. We got all of it in the scripture. So if you read the Bible and you have this kind of open dialogue with your kids where they know no questions off limits, then whenever you read in Leviticus about lying down with a beast Mm-hmm. or a man lying down with a man, you know, and you, you've helped your kids learn to ask good questions. Like, what does that mean? Yeah, and let's, let's connect the dots here. For those who hear my strip club story, and I can't believe that that pastor would have done that. We're going to well, call guess DCF what on the you. the majority of evangelicals are doing in our nation? You're sending your child to other people yeah, at the government right. school, and they're entering into sex education and someone who you don't know, who mm. doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ, most likely, is teaching them perversion 
in yeah. their sexual education class. That's what we that's what we do. So yes, take take my story as a moment to for us all to wake up to the system that is the American governmental education system. Understand it's secular, it's humanist, it is committed to trying to train up a child in the way he should go without ever referring to the Lord Jesus Christ when Mm -hmm. this is his very world. Yeah, so what are parents to do? Well, I think fundamentally, number one, own Ephesians 6.4. Just own it. God calls parents to bring their children up. Mm -hmm. And we are to bring them up, not just as uh, uh, participants in the world, we're to bring them up in the padea, in the instruction, in the nurture, in the culture of the living God and training of him. And so Jesus Christ is, is to be seen as Lord over all. Our kids need to study this world. Every, every discipline is legitimate for Christians to study, recognizing it is all under the lordship of Christ. So two plus two equal four because of Christ. Uh, the uh, law of thermodynamics exists and works because of Jesus Christ. And so do your best. And you know, man, I'm no expert in, in a thousand categories. So there are people that can help you with that. You can homeschool. Uh, it's hard to homeschool, but man, I commend it. I, I don't think everybody ought to homeschool, but I do commend it for Christian parents to consider it. Uh, you can send your kids to a good Christian school. And I would qualify that heavily because there are some Christian schools that simply have the word Christian in front of it, mm-hmm. and they're really not thinking the way we're arguing for today of a, a universe or a, a recognition that all education has a moral foundation to it. All education is based on the Lordship of Christ. And so don't don't fall prey to something that just says, hey, we got a school system, we're going to put Christian in front of it. Uh, classical Christian education, I think, is wonderful, and praise God for the, the growth in that. And if you have to do something else, if you have to use a government school, don't just turn your kids over. Get involved. Know, read their textbooks. Talk to their teachers. Mm-hmm. Listen to them, because you're inevitably going to have to uh, undisciple some of the things that they're being discipled in, at least. Yeah. You know, I, I feel the responsibility as a minister of the gospel to this issue of parents educating their children. First of all, them seeing that it's their responsibility. But I, I believe, as we've said, really through what we've done with By What Standard, what we're doing with Wield the Sword that's coming mm-hmm. up about actually taking God's word and wielding it, applying it to all uh, all of human life and experience yeah. very kyparian in nature that there's not a single square inch of all of creation over which Jesus Christ does not cry mine we haven't we haven't discipled the church to see that and therefore you know a guy that you say he's a plumber he's like you know well, I'm a plumber I work all day and this education stuff I'm just kind of not into this stuff and I mean I got to figure out a way to get it done for the kids no 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 your whole life it doesn't matter what you are you're right. a janitor plumber firefighter trash trash guy whatever it is you 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 are to look out at creation at history and geography and science and all of this and see that it all belongs to Jesus Christ and it all is for Jesus Christ. You don't have to be an expert in all of these fields. Even if you're going to teach your kids, you don't have to be. But you have to actually be inspired and interested in praising God. The heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. And that spills over to your children Mm -hmm. where they start to, this isn't only a duty. It's a duty. It's got hard work. But 
my goodness, it's like every day. I don't have enough hours in the mm-hmm. day to study the glory of God. That's, I mean, like I said, just you could just look at the human body. You know, mm-hmm. just look at the heart. Mm-hmm. That, that just the circulatory system. Just look at that, and you have a lifetime right yeah. there. And that spills out to the children, and and that helps you. If COVID's giving us an opportunity to look at the governmental education system and say, this isn't just some bad fruit that's coming up now with with crazy kind of regulations and all the trouble in their system that they're facing. I, I feel bad for those who are in it trying to do good, but but the parent has to go, okay, there's some things wrong at the foundation. And if you're going to pursue another option of education, which I would encourage you to do in the vast majority of cases, um, you you shouldn't do that defensively only. There are defensive right. measures in that for your kids, but there's all kinds of offense. It's like, you know, we're, we're not um, we're not cowering, afraid of what would have happened if they had been in another form of education with our kids. It's like we're on the offensive saying this is God's world. Enjoy it and actually understand it. Mm-hmm. You can understand these things. You can understand yourself. You can understand other people. You can understand why certain things happened in the world. <laughs> like what actually caused that? Uh, you know, you get motivations other than, you know, this billiard ball whacked into this billiard ball. You know, and you actually get some, some truth it begins to bubble up and then you see applications in other areas of life. Mm-hmm. It's glorious. And and you don't have to be an expert in any of these things to do this for your kids. So I hope that I want to see parents encouraged, not overwhelmed. You know, it's going to be a lot of work, um, but inspired to say, God's given me these children. I get to teach them about God's world. Yeah. And, and, and there's nothing better, more fundamental that you can do. There's more than you can do, but nothing more fundamental that you can do than just read the Bible with your kids. Read the, read the book of Proverbs. Man, when parents read Proverbs with their kids, they get this vision that you just articulated. Because everything becomes an opportunity to learn. The whole world becomes a classroom uh, from the ant to the rock badger to the excellent worker to the sluggard uh, to the wife who's diligent to the husband who's faithful uh, to the husband who's not faithful to the prostitute. Everything becomes an occasion to bring wisdom, to bring instruction to your children, which is exactly what Proverbs is doing. So we should learn the Proverbs and and benefit from them, but we should learn also from the approach that Proverbs gives us that, okay, as a parent, I got children and I need to do what this parent was doing in writing for his son. Amen. Amen. Well, we hope that it's been an encouraging sword in the trowel for you. And uh, as an immediate application, if you don't have the Truth and Grace Memory book, go grab that. Again, uh, there's three volumes of that, three different catechisms. That's a wonderful way to dive in to raising your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord.